Hi, everyone, and welcome to the... the oh, my God, Bill, I fumbled the opening. You always say hi, everyone. I say hello, everyone, and I'm Rusty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I am your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I will not be editing that out. And I Good. am joined by my phenomenal co-host, Bill DeFilippo. Bill, hello, how are you? I was very worried that you were about to say, don't worry, I'll edit that out. So I'm glad you're uh, not doing that, but otherwise I'm doing uh, I'm doing all right. So well, I'm I don't just, think I realized... Know like the routine of it all, of my intro. I always you, say hello, and I'm like, oh, I'll mix it up. I'll say hi this time. And it completely broke my brain. It, it's one thing that from hosting pods in the Penn State sphere for one reason or another, dating back to like, God, like 2014 at this point, it's amazing. And I'm sure people who have listened to the pods over the years at BSD and here could tell like some of it is just autopilot at this point. And you, it, it, it's very easy to notice the parts that are just straight up on autopilot, the intro, the outro, the, all that sort of stuff. The host read, we do have talking points, uh, host read LMAO, uh, the ad read, uh, we yeah. do have talking points. I don't have them here, but real quick upfront. I know we had some audio issues in the last episode. I apologize for that towards the latter half. It looked like it kind of got merged a little bit and there was really not much of a, like a delay between Bill and myself, I think I figured out the problem uh, going forward uh, should be fixed. So appreciate your patience to the listenership there. And Bill, it's a pretty quiet week for Penn State football outside of the recruiting trail, which we think is about to catch fire. Uh, with any luck, during our recording here tonight, we're going to learn about a commit. We're recording on Wednesday uh, at 5 p.m. So something should be coming in pretty soon. But Bill, up front, I think the biggest news of the actual season coming up is the final four freshmen in Penn State's yep. class have gotten to campus. We'll address it up front, Bill, and then we can quickly touch on, you know, what we expect their role to be in 2023, if it's anything. But the four final members of the class are Chimdi Ono, Jamil Lyons, Carmelo Taylor, and Mason Robinson. Up front, Bill, we won't do the whole, you know, red light, green light thing. These guys are all red lights to me. Uh, anything different from you just up front? No, I mean, and, and I think so much of that comes down to circumstance where uh, you get onto campus as late as they are. The other dudes in your freshman class just inherently have a bit of a leg up on you. You look at a guy like, you know, Jameel Lyons. I, I would be stunned if he can break into what is a really good defensive end rotation for Penn State. You look at Mason Robinson, similar thing to him. Uh, Carmelo Taylor. You know, maybe things change up for him. Maybe he's able to uh, get some snaps early on. But, you know, Penn, with how Penn State's going to be looking for a bite at the apple along the offensive line, maybe he's a guy who's able to benefit from that. And then uh, Chimdi Ono, you know, he's, seen, you know, he's a guy who I, we know they like. We know uh, they were able to get him, uh, I think, a little bit later in the in the process. But Former Old Dominion yeah. commit, the rare Old That's Dominion right. to Penn State jump, which keeps happening for some reason. The Ronnie Pipeline. And if, you know, if a, if a young offensive lineman is going to break in, you have to give the layup to a guy like Javen Williams or Alex Birchmeyer because they've been on campus. They've been in the strength and conditioning program, all that sort of stuff. So their time will come. It's just odds are uh, that time's not going to be in 2023. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there. And then one last thing I want to make sure I hit on. Uh, Lift for Life is this yeah. week, I believe, on Thursday, the 22nd. Uh, I'll be sure to link something out on the blog social. If you're not following there, that's at RLR blog. Always a really cool event. I always love looking at the photos of everybody who got to campus and kind of seeing who bulked up, what the freshmen look like. So this is just one of the final hurdles, really, before the season. This is yeah, the real last big event we're really going to see before uh, before Big Ten Media Day is coming up here in a little bit. But, Bill, speaking of the media, how about that for a transition? <laughs> the media creates a lot of things, Bill. And I'm not saying that because I have a degree in media studies uh, from the Belisario College of Communications at Penn State University. We are. The media is creating a lot of hype this upcoming fall for Penn State football. I just got my copy of Phil Steele's magazine. Uh, I won't spoil too much. Uh, go out there. It's a great magazine. If you're a sicko like me and you want to do some like beach reading or airplane reading or car trip reading, I like doing that kind of stuff. But he has Penn State as the number six team in the country, um, and he has them like number five in his power rankings. I think six in his like rankings because of two teams ahead of them, five in the power rankings because of the talent of the team, whatever. You get the point, and 
Bill, this is, I, I just think outside of 2017, this is really uncharted territory, at least in my fandom. I, I don't know about you. I think we kind of aligned pretty closely by when we really started following the team. Yeah. Just generally, how are you feeling about this? Like, do you like it? Do you still feel like Penn State's this underdog considering that, you know, if they are a top five team, Michigan and Ohio State are still going to be viewed as ahead of them. Just just how are you feeling right now? This is just a really interesting, it's going to be a very interesting next 72 odd days by the time this episode drops. By the time this episode drops, we're, we're holding this for 72 days? No, 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 no. Sorry. It'll drop tomorrow <laughs> and then it'll be 72 days from there. We're rusty. We're so, rusty. I was, so, I was in Miami this weekend, so I'm still kind of putting my life together after that. Nice. So uh, the way that I will say this year is unprecedented. I don't think it's unprecedented in the level of excitement around Penn State. And I'm going to back that up by saying, you know, Phil Steele has Penn State 5-6. ESPN has Penn State at number, had number eight in its, its uh, post-spring power rankings. I'm sure there are plenty more out there we could find. In mm-hmm. 2017, Penn State was the number six team in the country in the AP poll. In 2018, Pre- preseason, Penn, right? Preseason. Okay, 2018, Penn State was the number 10 team in the preseason poll 2020 Penn state was number seven team in the preseason poll. So I would push back against coming into this season. There is a level of hype that we haven't seen about Penn state before about Penn state's ability to potentially make the playoff about the talent on Penn state's roster, what Penn state could potentially do, blah, blah. Like I disagree with that part of it. The do you think way they're be higher the, ranked than what was it? Seven in 2017 or six, six in 2017, uh, 10 in 2018, uh, 7 in 2020. Penn State has been viewed as a top 10 team coming into the season. Uh, you know, even knocking right on that on the door of potentially being a top five team uh, several times over the course of the James Franklin era. Where I do mm-hmm. think this is unprecedented is that we've never seen Penn State ranked in the top 10 in, in the James Franklin era with two teams ahead of them. In their division. 2017, Penn State was the number six team, again, number six team in the preseason poll. Ohio State was at number two. The next Big Ten East team was Michigan down at number 11. 2018, Penn State was number 10. Uh, Ohio State was up at number five. Actually, interestingly, there was uh, Wisconsin was up at number four. So there were two Big Ten teams. Who ahead would of Penn have been State. coming back for Wisconsin that year? Was that, that had to have been Jonathan Taylor and like Jack Cohn? What I would will, that team have been? I will dog ear this and go look at that. But the next Big Ten, Interesting. the Big Ten East had uh, Michigan State at number 11 and Michigan at number 14. Still only one team in the division had a Penn State. And in 2020, Penn State uh, number seven, Ohio State was ranked number two in the country coming in. The next Big Ten East team, you would go down to number 16 when Michigan was in there. So okay. I agree this is unprecedented in terms of the mountain that is ahead of Penn State. But I don't agree that it is unprecedented that this Penn State team is coming into a season with people believing, hey, that's a team that could potentially compete for a playoff spot. That's a team that could potentially compete for a national championship. I, I, I will disagree with that part of it. Okay. Do you, do you think they're going to be ranked six or higher this upcoming fall? Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, and then – so they're going to be ranked above Penn State. And I think Penn State's going to be grouped in with LSU, with Florida State, that those kind of tiers of football teams. So I could see Penn State ranked as high as number six. I mm-hmm. could see Penn State ranked with there. I could see maybe USC even ahead of them. And Penn State's okay. ranked down eight, nine, ten, something like that coming into the season. And again, I think – I think we have to admit that a big reason that might be the case is because people are going to bet on Penn State. And this is this is a thing that's going to come up throughout this podcast. It's not betting against Penn State. There is a belief that Penn State is going to be really good. It's just that Penn State has to do something really, really, really difficult if it wants to call itself a Big Ten champion or a playoff. So I think six is a pretty realistic spot for them to be slotted. So right there, that's matching the high of the Franklin era. And I think, frankly, of my fandom um, or of my lifetime, at least. And the reason I think this makes it unprecedented, and it's a point I want to make sure that I, I get out in front of early. There's three projected first round picks on this roster. We've never had that at Penn State in the Franklin era. So the fact that like, if you go back and you think about that 2017, 2017 team, 
who I think were the projected first round picks, it was probably just Saquon, right? Like people knew McSorley was a baller, but everyone kind of knew what he was going to be in the pros. Like I, Godwin would have left. So I think it just would have been Saquon at that point, right? So it kind of depends on how you're defining for, if you mean in that next upcoming draft uh, in 2018, 2018 Saquon, of course, went number two overall. Mike Gusecki mm-hmm. went in the second round. Troy Apke, Deshaun Hamilton in the fourth round. Marcus Allen in the fifth round. Christian Campbell in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but, but my overall point is, yes. we never see Penn State have three dudes in the first round. And I, I'm just going to say it for the first uh, time. Uh, it's well, gonna, let, me, it's, let, me, let me interrupt just real quick. Penn yeah, State has had... Th- uh, multiple guys picked in the first round. The last time it happened uh, was in 2003. Jimmy Kennedy uh, to the Rams at 12. Michael Haynes to the Bears at 14. Bryant Johnson to the Cardinals at 17. And Larry Johnson to the Chiefs at 27. Uh, that was a team that was coming off of, I believe, a 9-4 and four season, I want to say. Okay. And, and was that multiple or at least two? Because it was also 2021 had away and well, Parsons. The, well, Parsons wasn't on the 20. That was so I. I, I put yeah. the asterisk mm. on that because it was Micah. But yes, yeah, uh, that's a great point. I forgot Micah wasn't there because Micah didn't play point. that year. So put an asterisk on it. But yes, if you want to say uh, multiple first round picks, the last time Penn State had that was Micah Parsons and Adafi Ola. That's a great point about Micah missing that season. That's that's a good you know caveat to have there I, I didn't even consider that when i brought this point up um but i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it many times in this podcast i call this the window year i know you disagree with the whole concept of create of, of the window you know program but we rarely see penn state go out there and have three projected first round picks before toe hits leather in september like it's june 21st time of recording and i feel confident olu is going to be a first round pick Chop and Kalen, I, I would put it probably like 70-30, they'll be first-round picks. So take that for what it's worth. And you factor in the five-star running back who's emerged. You factor in Katron Allen. You factor in the natural hype that's going to come with the addition of Drew Aller. And then you factor in an improved offensive line and you, everything around it. I think this year and next year, but for, th- for sure this year, because there's no guarantee of three first-round picks next year. But there's a better. there's no guarantee this year either, but I think there's a better shot blah, blah, blah. I think this year has to be the year they make the playoff. I'm not asking for them to win a national title. I, I, I just don't think Penn State can do that in, you know, the college football while Georgia is what it is. And I'm fine with that. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what this whole thing is about. I think Penn State has to make it this year. Success for me is going 11 and one and splitting the big two. It's Year 10 under Franklin, and I, I give a lot of grace to the first half of his tenure. I think from really 2018 on is when the program was in his image, and I think you could fully get the sanctions out of the way. But at the end of the day, this is the longest losing streak Penn State has ever had to Ohio State. I get they go on the road, but they have to find a way to either break it or to get over the Michigan hump, quote-unquote. I mean, they've split the last six, three, and three. If you want to call that a hump, it's not exactly accurate, even though I just said it, but We'll kind of parlay this into my next point, Bill. But first, do you have anything you want to respond to on that? Do you think I'm crazy? We've yes. talked about this with our friends a lot, that this team has to go 11-1 and one to be a success for me. It's a better roster. It's a better team. The defense will be better. And, and there's some Aller points I want to get into. I'm sure we'll get into them. But anything less than 11-1 and one for me, I think, is, is a failure. And I'm also the kind of guy who thinks the 2017, 2017 team was a failure. That team should have gone 11 and one. It should not have lost two games. That was too good of a team to have that happen. So you said I'm crazy, but we've never really talked it out like this. So, so let me hear it. Let me, let I, me hear your thoughts I, on I my think, stance here. I think the thing with 2017 and with comparing mm-hmm. it to the 2017 Penn state team is yeah. If you want to say that that was a disappointment, I would agree. And that was because, okay. I don't right. think uh, I, I I'll agree to an extent. I mean, I still think, you know, you win uh, the first. You win the first New Year Six Bowl under a head coach. I think like that's that's a, a triumph. But Penn State went into that season. It was better than it wasn't better than Ohio State. It was better than Michigan State. So that's the extent to which I will say that is a problem. Or that's they were where better than Ohio State. If Buckholz and Bates don't get hurt, like they win that game. And and if if isn't what well, happened, so I can't really hang my. Hat I was going to say that's the, what my my issue with that is that. 
but it did happen. And that was the yep. problem that Penn State faced. Like it was, it, it's very easy to say if this thing didn't happen, but that thing did happen. It did inherently change the way we have, I would say we have to look at things. And yep. okay. Penn State lost as basically as a result of that. They were a better team than Michigan State. That game happened under insanely freak circumstances, but they still, that is a football game they still should have won. They shot themselves in the foot and lost that game. Big time. The difference this year is that Michigan is better than Penn State. Ohio State is better than Penn State. I understand the point about first round talent. I, I was going off of uh, a mock draft, uh, the website NFL mock draft database.com. It's an aggregation of big boards, first round Great NFL Highly mock draft stuff. They do good stuff. Yeah. And Penn State has three guys in its top 100, all of which are listed uh, as first round dudes. Uh, Chop and Kalen are both uh, very. Chop is uh, Kalen's back half of the first round. Chop is, I think, the second to last pick before, or, or is the last pick before it gets into the first round, something like that. Uh, so yeah. there's that. Mich Michigan also has three guys, none of which are in the first round. Ohio State has 11 guys in the top 106 who are in the first round. So if you were just going off of the NFL caliber town, and here's the other thing, Ohio State's best guy in terms of how NFL teams look at you are better is better than Penn State's best guy. Ohio State's- oh, Who is it? Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, well, duh. That's a dumb question. <laughs> Number 10, JT uh, Tui Mo uh, Tui Moloau, Emeka Ibuka at 11, Michael Hall Jr. at 17, Denzel Burke at 18, and then you get to Kalen King. So I will again say coming into this year, or I will always say from that perspective, yeah, Penn State has the guys in the first round. I'd also say that the reason that Penn State has struggled to beat Ohio State and struggled to beat Michigan over the years, when you look at those three first round guys, it's not because they haven't had a potential NFL guy at cornerback. They've had a few mm -hmm. NFL guys at cornerback, including one who got picked in the first round last year. It's not because they haven't had potential NFL guys rushing the passer, because in Adafi Oa had that, in Micah Parsons to a different extent, they've had that. In even you know a little bit farther down the road, a Yitor Grossmatos, a Sharif Miller, guys who have played in the NFL, Shaka, yep. Shaka Tony, guys they've had that. If you want to say they've never had an NFL caliber left tackle like uh, like Olu, I completely agree with that. They, I ne also they never have. They yeah. never have. I also think that's one of five parts of an offensive line and don't think he is single-handedly making Penn State's entire – I think Penn State will have a very good offensive line. I don't think he necessarily as a singular guy is going to be the difference between Penn State winning and losing a game uh, against Ohio State, even though I do concede the reason that Penn State lost last year's game to Ohio State was, uh, to quote uh, the great Thomas Frank Carr, uh, Bryce Effner got dribbled like a basketball. So, But the tackle play as a whole is so far raised now with all these guys. And, like, think about it. If yeah, and that's, that that's, the one thing, that's the one thing I give you with, with the NFL draft caliber guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, but, but, like, it's so hard for me because, like, I'm not asking for them to go into Columbus and beat Ohio State and then beat Michigan. I'm asking to do one. Just do one of the two. Like, we've seen them split before. They've split 16, 17, 19, 20. Like, they've done this before. They've found a way to do it before. All I'm asking is, with this amount of talent all across the field, like, people are going to point to the three first-round picks as one of the big reasons, but everything around them is also a lot better. Like a healthy Landon Tangwall, I think is a good ball player. Hunter Norzad can play. Whoever wins that guard spot can play. Caden Wallace, I think is going to finally figure this thing out. Like we've seen what bad tackles can do. Like Penn State had Ohio State beat everywhere except for the two tackle spots where they got blown up. Ohio State's biggest weakness this upcoming fall is going to be their tackles, which I think one is like a starter from San Diego State who wasn't even that highly dude in the transfer portal. Like those opportunities are here and it's just the culmination yeah. of all this talent. Like there's more first round picks on Penn State's roster. Like a point I made to a couple of buddies of mine is that Penn State just went 11 and 2 and won the Rose Bowl, eh, Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl without a first round pick selected in the next year's draft. And that's not saying there's not first round talent on that roster. It's just all back on the field in 2023. Like that's what I'm just fixated on. This is the best depth 
talent. We can talk about the quarterback of it all in, in a little bit, but I really believe this defense is going to take a big step forward. I really believe that the pass rush can be more productive without having to blitz like crazy. Like I, ha- I had the number pulled up. I was talking with a friend of the show, Pat. Um, and actually, let me pull it up on my phone right here. Apologies to my YouTube viewers for looking away from the camera for a second. But... Well, let me let, let me while you do that, let me say something real quick. Yeah, go for it. Here, here, I will go into some more numbers in a bit, but I want to read off two things pertaining to talent, pertaining to depth. Number yeah. one is the uh, returning production numbers that Bill Connolly puts out on ESPN. Uh, Michigan, and it, it's not, it, it, I don't remember exactly how Bill does it, uh, but it's a little bit different than just like, oh, you played last year, we're putting you down to coming back. Michigan is fifth nationally in terms of returning production. 83, they bring back 83% of their guys who contribute by Bill's metric uh, last year, uh, from last year to this year, 84% on offense, which is fourth nationally, 78% on defense, which is 16th nationally. Ohio State is 48th, 67% overall, 57% on offense, which is 97th nationally, 77% on defense, which is 20th nationally. And then Penn State is 56th, 65% overall, 55% on offense, 75% on defense, which is 102nd and 24th nationally. So in terms of the productive guys who were coming back, Michigan and Ohio State are bringing more back. Ohio State, to an extent that's a little more negligible, but Michigan certainly, uh, in a pretty marked way, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, is bringing more back than Penn State. And then you get to, so I think that top, those top line guys, the guys you're relying on, Michigan mm-hmm. is bringing back guys from a team that made the, bringing back a ton of guys from a team that made the playoff and won the Big Ten. Ohio State is bringing a ton of guys back from a team that made the playoff and came one game away from winning the Big Ten. And then you get into blue chip percentage by class. So we're going back on the last four years. Penn State's at 64% in, 20, 61% in 2023, but we will save that more for probably later. 64% in 2022, 47% in 2021, 50% in 2020, 73% in 2019. Michigan. 73%. Oh, brother, just wait until I read Ohio State's numbers. Uh, Michigan, 2022 is at 55%. 2021 is at 55%. 2020 is 67%. 2019 is 69%. So I don't have the exact numbers here. I would bet their blue chip percentage is pretty similar to what Penn State's is and was. Ohio Mm -hmm. State, in 2023, it was 95%. Going back the last four years, 22%. 2022, 90%, 2021, 91%, 2020, 68%, 2019, 71%. And I read those numbers to say this. I don't disagree, and I'm going to agree with a lot and then get to a different endpoint. I don't disagree that Penn State is bringing back a ton of talent. I don't disagree that Penn State has talent that hasn't seen the field a ton yet on the roster and has very good depth. But again... My issue, my concern continues to be that they need to beat a pair of teams that are doing this either at an equal level or a considerably better level. And while we'll get into the expectation talk, what I think my record should be, Penn State, all that stuff in a second, the issue that I have with this entire conversation is that we are measuring Penn State against teams that two teams in their division that do stuff Penn state needs to do to be great better than Penn state does. And that's just the difficulty that I have with this conversation. And I've kind of had with this conversation when we've had it uh, with our groups of friends, Matt, and now that we're having it right here, but they've had, they've had it. Like they've had both those teams be in the fourth quarter, the last two years, like they had Michigan sure. beat in the fourth quarter. They had Ohio state beat real quick before I forget, just, just to cover my base here. So the defense hit 40 sacks last year. Bill, do you know how many Adisa, Chop, and Deny Dennis Sutton combined for total of the 40 sacks? I'd guess about 10 or so. 12 and a half. Yeah. So they hit 40 with exotic blitzes because the pass rush was a first-time hand-of-the-dirt defensive end, a guy coming off an Achilles injury, and a true freshman. Like, they're not going to have to worry about them anymore. Like, they'll be able to rush the passer with just those guys moving forward. The defense can get a lot more exotic. That's a conversation for August when we do our yeah. position previews. But going back to my previous point, Penn State had those teams beat. They've proven that they can go out there and they can beat those teams with less talent. I'm going to address you know, the, the quarterback of it all. That's what it's going to come back to at the end of the day. 
Can Penn yeah. State's quarterback lead them to victory? I mean, if Sean Clifford doesn't turn it over four times, and I get it, it was an all-time performance by JT to a, to a JTT. I'm not going to pronounce his last name. <laughs> against them last year. I totally get that. I've said it before. You'll make fun of me. It was year six. He had to have figured it out. It, that, that falls on him more than it's going to fall on a great defensive player to me. The five-star quarterback, I'm not asking to go out there and perform like a five-star. I'm asking to be 5% better than a fifth-round pick was. That's all I'm asking for. I think if he is 5%, if Aller is 5% better than Clifford, 11-1 and is very, 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 very possible. Like, I'm not asking for him to set the world on fire. He'll have been on campus for two years. I get there's not there hasn't been that many live bullets, but... I don't put a lot of stock into experience and, and I said experience didn't matter in our Slack a couple weeks back. And I think I worded it poorly. So like, let me, let me try to rephrase that bill. What was your favorite touchdown? The Penn state offense scored in their last two games against Michigan. Uh, hell if I know you have two options, you have a one yard, uh, Catron Allen run, um, or you have a two yard Tyler Warren receiving touchdown. If your experience in your fifth and sixth year where we're really worth two offensive touchdowns total, that experience isn't worth a lot to me. I get those were excellent defenses. An excellent quarterback can eliminate that. That's why I'm not really buying this. Clifford is not going to be able to go out there and help lead this team. They have the run game Clifford never had to take some pressure off of Aller. Again, all Aller really has to be in his opportunities, which I think will be fewer than Clifford. He just has to be 5% more efficient with those opportunities. And 11-1, and one, I think, is very much so a realistic possibility. And what I basically say is that I think that discounts for the fact that, one, like you're putting – it's just putting so much on Drew Aller right away when – But it's not, when we're talking about quarter, when we're talking about When we're talking about quarterback play and elite run game, Michigan has an elite run game as well. Ohio State's mm-hmm. run game has put up elite numbers uh, in recent years. They've been had some injury issues last year, but in Mayan Williams, uh, in Travion Henderson, in Dallin Hayden, they've been able to put up an elite run game on their own that they have been able to rely on. And what Penn State is dropping their quarterback into is an infrastructure that he needs to elevate. JJ McCarthy mm-hmm. doesn't have to elevate any sort of infrastructure. I think he's a good player, but he is also a guy who is going to be able to, I, who doesn't have to step in and boom, 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 figure things out. He knows the speed right. of the college game. Ohio right. state is going to be dropping probably Kyle McCord, but possibly Devin Brown. Kyle McCord, a five-star guy in his own right, into an infrastructure that has benefited quarterbacks tremendously over the years. And I think even with saying all of that, while I, you know, quarterback play is incredibly important, you also have to have the infrastructure around your quarterback. So that's where I kind of disagree with Clifford needs to be able to elevate. For one, Clifford was like top 25 in the country in QBR last year. He was legitimately one of the he was legitimately a very, very good college quarterback last year. And right, if you want to say the difference in the biggest games is, my, well, is that's, my broader point. That's the thing. When your offensive line can't keep you upright, when your receivers can't get open, when your running game can't cook to the extent that you want it to, I agree that great quarterback play can help get past some of that stuff, but it's eventually quicksand where the more and more you find yourself moving around to try and get out of a situation, you are Mm -hmm. going to drown or not drown. You're going to be caught up in the quicksand. And ultimately I can't in good conscience and I I can't in good consciousness get into the fact that Penn state doesn't have quite the level of team total team one through 11 on both sides of the football with the guys you can fold in against Ohio State and Michigan to the point that they can beat them until I see them do it. And again, for the millionth time, this is not because I think this is a bad Penn State team. This Penn State team can end the season fifth or sixth in the country very easily. Its issue is that there are two teams that could potentially finish first and second, second and third, whatever you want to say ahead of them. Can I can I read off some numbers here, Matt? Please. Okay. So I think there are two conversations that we're having right here. 
One is yeah. a conversation about aspirations, what we want Penn State to achieve this year, what we hope and dream and think if things go right, Penn State can achieve this year. And I also aspire to this Penn State team winning 11 or 12 games, winning the Big Ten East. I'm there. I am 100% there. I see the way that they can do it. And then there is the conversation of expectation. And to highlight this, expectation is based on what we know and what little bits we could potentially project out within reason. The way that I measure that stuff is by what Vegas says in betting odds and what the computers say as they run everything, put everything together and try and determine what it is. Coming into this season, Ohio State is plus 600 to win a national championship, which is tied for the second best odds in the country with Alabama. Michigan is plus 1,000, which is the fourth best odds. Penn State is plus 2,000, tied for the eighth best odds with Clemson. According to Las Vegas, the playoff is going to be, and a lot has to happen until then, Georgia versus Michigan, Bama against Ohio State, which is two teams in Penn State's division. Moving on to SP+. Moving on to SP+. Ohio State is second in the country. Offense is second, defense is 13th going into this year. Michigan is third, offense is seventh, defense is fourth. Penn State is eighth. Offense is 22nd, defense is sixth. According to SP Plus on a neutral field, Ohio State would be about six-point favorites over Penn State. Michigan would be about five-and-a-half-point favorites over Penn State. While I think both of those get the point – what was that? I like those odds. Less than a touchdown. Like against less than a touchdown against, you, again against two playoff teams. Like again, this is what, oh, Penn State. Sorry, Penn State has a chance, but as of right now, as we project things out, and things could change based on you know the first practice Ohio State has. Marvin Harrison Jr. can run into uh, Jack Sawyer. Both of them uh, get injured and miss the entire season. Or Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Uh, for one reason or another can miss the entire season. And that fundamentally changes things. But as we know them right now, Penn State is just has to make up that last little gap. Another way to show this, ESPN's FPI. Ohio State is the number one team in the country. Michigan is number six. Penn State is 10. The projected win-loss for these teams, Ohio State 11-1, Michigan 10-2, Penn State 9-3. And And this involves a little rounding. I would disagree with Penn State being a team that I'd project out to go at 9-3. That's just... Going, 93 right, is a little, nightmare. Little bit here, little bit here, little bit here, whatever. I think Penn State's probably a 10-win team. And I say all that to say this. When we look at the objective measures, everything I just read, the numbers I read about blue chip percentage, the returning production numbers, all that sort of thing, those are the things that I believe have to set our expectations of what this Penn State team is, which is it isn't. Very, very, very good football team. One that has a puncher's chance against two teams that have legitimate national championship aspirations, but is just as of right now on June 21st, a little bit below both of those teams. And again, things can change. It's possible that we get to halftime against West Virginia. Penn State's up 28 to nothing. Kyle McCord looks like a disaster. Looked like a disaster for Ohio State earlier in the game. J.J. McCarthy got hurt he's out for the season a michigan's back of his end just doesn't look the same it is very possible all this stuff happens but by the objective measures we use to try to set expectations penn state looks like a team that is if you're betting on them that's a 10 win football team in all Mm -hmm. likelihood because of the teams in front of them not because of what they are this is where I come back to to and you make a lot of really good points and, and now I think I, I we talked about this for months but I, I think now us finally getting to hash it out verbally like it, it's not a Penn State thing it's a who's yes. ahead of them thing yeah and this is where I come back to this point that I've made in our slack many times that I, I don't know a better way to word it and this kind of this very saying kind of eliminates the point of like preview podcast all that kind of stuff it's figure it out figure it out Penn State staff is too good to be in the middle of the longest losing streak to Ohio State in program history. Figure it out. Penn State is too good to get run over by that Michigan team the way they did last year. Figure it out. When it comes down to those Saturdays in the fall, it can be everything that you know we talked about where they're just more talented, all that kind of fun stuff. I'm not asking them to go 12-0. I'm asking them to win one of the two. Figure it out. That's what it's just going to come back to for me. Franklin is too good a coach to 
keep on this streak like this. It just comes back to figure it out for me. Once it, at the end of the day, this team, do you agree, Bill? This is the most talented Penn State team Franklin's ever had depth wise, like just overall this or 2017, I'd say. You think this team is better than 2022 on paper? On paper, yeah, probably. They went 10-2 and two last year. If they're going to be better, there are no moral victories when you spend the way Penn State does. Like, I get that Ohio State and Michigan spend more. I will be the first person banging that drum that Penn State needs better facilities. But figure it out. And, and be that's, one of the teams that figures it out. And that's my problem. Happens. It's mm-hmm. so hard. It is... It is nearly impossible to figure it out because Penn State isn't the only team in this equation. Ohio State is getting up for that Penn State game because they know Penn State is one of the teams standing between themselves and a national champion. I I, I think that's why I have such a problem with this is Michigan and Ohio State aren't like these puzzles, these uh, blank things completely that, that do not control their destiny in any way, shape, or form. And Penn State, the thing that control, which controls its own destiny and controls the destiny of how this college football season is going to play, just has to figure them out. The other team is doing the exact same thing to Penn State. They are treating Penn State with the respect. You know, uh, Greg Popovich has this incredible phrase for opponents of appropriate fear. The respect the appropriate fear, the understanding of what that other team represents, Penn State is not the only team in this equation. So when I hear that Penn State has to figure it out, it's, again, it's not like they're going up against a team where they aren't, and that's the other thing, it's not like they haven't been trying to do this for the last however many years. How many nights do you think, how many nights do you think, how many times do you think James Franklin has skipped out on getting to see his wife and his kids, has slept in his office, has put in that little bit extra time watching tape. How many times do you think Mike Yurcich has done that similar thing? Uh, you know, Manny Diaz before and Brent Pry, that similar thing. These players are, you know, putting in those extra reps, that extra practice, these sorts of things, because they are doing everything in their power to quote unquote, figure out these things that are going into this game as desperate to beat them as they are to beat that team. And that's where I think I have a problem with it. Like it's not, there is a human element to this that gets lost in the trying to view it as like, this is a game of NCAA 14. There's a computer on the other side. I just need to be able to pick it apart. You have, they are putting in the sacrifice to try and do this. And they are Sisyphus right now, trying to push this boulder up the hill. And they've been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for years. And there's no end in sight, but they believe that one day there will be that end in sight. And that's again, where we get to the expectation versus aspiration point that I made a little bit earlier. They aspire, they're putting in the work to do all of this. They've just not been able to clear that final hurdle in their quest to make the playoff yet. Their process has been very good over the years. You look at how they recruit, you look at how they develop and send guys to the NFL. They're just going up against two of the juggernauts in the sport right now and are doing everything they can to beat them. But sometimes everything you can just ends up not being enough. They've they've had they've had Ohio State beat 17, 18. I'll go as far as say 21 and 22. They had them beat. They had Michigan beat last year. They just couldn't figure it out. I think now with this better roster, this is the window to figure it out. Like that's what the whole window year is for me. I'm not saying Penn State's going to win a national title. I'm saying the last time we talked about a team with this much hype was six years ago. That was the window for that class. This is the current window. If you're going to take your shot, this is your best shot. I think you'll agree with me. If they're going to go 11-1, and this is the best shot, at least that we can see right now, they have to do it. Like, And that's what it comes back to. They have found a way to lose these games. They just have to figure out the way to win it. Well, and that's where I'm going to put stock in the five-star quarterback being 5% better than the fifth-round pick. And again, Sean Clifford's in the NFL. I, I absolutely am so happy for that guy. But that's what it's going to have to come back to for me. I'm not saying he has to put up the same stat line. I think he'll throw less than Clifford because the backs are so good. He just has to be 5% better in his opportunities. And I think he can be that. What, what I would basically say 
is that it's very easy to paint things as they had them beat and blew it when it's just as easy and usually more accurate to say the other team had a chance and took it. And Penn State right That's now... That's a great choice of words. I like Penn that. Penn State has a chance and has a chance to take it, but it has to take it. It is going up against two teams that are not going to give them a whole lot of chances to take it from them. And that is the point that I keep trying to make here. This is not talking down Penn State. This is understanding that it has to do something. There is one team in the country that I think, if they played 10 times, would beat Ohio State more often than Ohio State would beat them, and it's Georgia. I'd say the same thing about Georgia and Michigan. That is the one team. So we're sitting here hoping that if Ohio State would beat Penn State or Michigan would beat Penn State eight times out of 10, that we got one of those two opportunities and Penn State's able to take them. And I have faith that they can do that if those opportunities pop up. But that's just what they're trying to go up against. And that's, again, where I have so much of a problem with trying to set an expectation of you need to be able expectation again, expectation, expectation, expectation of mm-hmm. this is the thing you have to do. Not this is a thing you are going to work towards doing, do everything in your power to do it the right way. And if you just get beat, it sucks. It hurts. It's going to ruin your week, but you just got beat. So let's, let's, let's go off script a little bit here. Let's rearrange the stuff. Cause I like cool. the momentum we have. First of all, I'm glad we hashed this out. Um, you know, if you're out there listening, if you're on YouTube, let us know your thoughts in the comments. Yeah. We, we love interacting with you guys and uh, Apple podcasts. We are two reviews away from a hundred. Let us know your thoughts there. Shout out to whoever gave us a review after our last episode. Um, we're almost there. So what, if you have thoughts there, leave them there. Maybe we'll break them down in our next episode, but Bill, so then I guess let's come back to this thing, I guess, expectation versus what was the other term you used? Aspiration. Aspiration. What does success look like record-wise for Penn State in 2023 for you? And this, I, I mentioned this a couple of times. Yeah. I think it's 11 and 1. I mentioned it in the last episode. You said I'm insane for that. Or not insane, whatever term you use. You think that's just a, a little bit too high, but it comes back to this is a better team than last year. They won 10 last year. They have a quarterback who I think can be 5% better, and they, can, they just have to split the two. I think 11 and 1 would be a good season. Also, hey, James tweeted, uh, yeah. So shout out to the commit we just got. Uh, good timing. This never happens in real time. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be. We'll, we'll, we'll wait to confirm. Yeah, we'll um, wait. Yeah. But Bill, 11 and 1 for me is what I would would call a success. I, anything less than that, I would call a disappointment. Where do you stand? I would say 10 and 2. Uh, I, I would say 10 and 2 with their two losses being Ohio State and Michigan in my eyes, is a success because then they beat all the teams okay. they're supposed to beat. They beat every single team they're supposed to beat. If it's 10-2, and two, but it's a situation like in 2017 where they beat one of Ohio State or Michigan, but they shoot themselves in the foot against uh, Illinois, against Iowa, against some other team, and they, caught, they, and they take advantage of the, the opportunity to do something great is right there, but they let it slip. Mm-hmm. against a worse team, that's a disappointment for me. But 10 wins, 10-2 and two with their losses being to Ohio State and Michigan, and showing that they deserve to be on the field with Ohio State and Michigan is a success for me. 11-1 and one with one of those wins, I'm overjoyed because then we're probably talking about Penn State as a playoff team. 12-0, and 0, like, you know, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting Kalen King's face tattooed on me somewhere in all likelihood. Like, that's, bookmark that. Bookmark that. Readers holding to that. Holding don't to actually that. bookmark. I'll, I'll get if Penn State goes twelve and zero and wins the Big Ten, I will get a Penn State tattoo. But we'll cross nice. that bridge when we get to it. But do it in Columbus. Oh, oh god! If I, <laughs> no one in this entire city will be able to tell me a goddamn thing if Penn State beats Ohio State. But that's neither here nor there. So that's how I again. That's how I'd lay it out. Less than ten and two. Really bad year at all. Like, uh, but again. We get into that first game. Drew Aller uh, shows that he's just not... Drew Aller just never turns into that guy for one reason or another. Olu gets hurt. Kalen King has a down year. The pass rush tries its best, but the run defense sucks. You know, 
we're setting the expectation based on what we know again. And based on what we know, I will say that Penn state is a 10 and two team with losses to Ohio state and Michigan. And that year with, which would lead to a new year six birth in all likelihood. I'm really happy with that. Or I'm not really happy with that. Uh, if they show they belong, then I'm like, okay, you know what? I can live with that. If they, they go out. That, okay. I guess. Yeah. If they go out You're there talking and get, about in both games. Yes. In both games. They belong. Okay. They so go out there. Like they did last year. Right. No. They go out there and get their asses kicked by one of those two teams. I'm going to be really upset about that. They go out there, give themselves an opportunity to win, to compete for a playoff berth, but blow it somewhere else on the line. I'm going to be really upset about that. So that's where I would kind of lay all this out. So for you, the, the, the program, and I get success isn't always linear, but the program spinning its wheels isn't the same record for you. It's the same performance where they get blown out by one and keep another one close. It's it's so can I look, your wheels it's, look like. it's can I look at this football team and not see its path to and not see that it's doing something the right way and not mm-hmm. see that it's building something and maybe you just can build forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and then one day I die. Who knows? But. I like to think that I'm a guy who is capable of looking at something and determining within reason what's happening. And if I can look at Penn state and see that there is a team here or there is, there are the building blocks being put down to compete for a national championship, even if they go 10 and two, and I need to put that faith in it happening next year. I need to put that faith in it happening year after that, whatever I can live with that. Does the playoff expansion mean anything to you like it does to me? I'm guessing no. You don't no, care. because here's the thing. Like if, if they you, go if they go ten and two, they're in the playoff, so they never really got over a hump for me. Yeah, but then if they win games in the playoff and they get to be one of the final four teams, then it's just then they are one of the final four teams. They are in the playoff semifinal, which is the situation they're working to get to right now. I guess. I guess. All right. I guarantee, I guarantee if Penn State is the 12 seed in 2024, 25, 25, whatever it is, and you're saying... They went nine and three, and it's a nightmare. Yeah, they went, yeah. They don't deserve to be there. They find themselves, I guarantee if that team makes it to the college football playoff semifinal or the college football playoff national championship game, you will not be saying this. You will be saying right, this I, team got to the right. point. This team got to the you're point right. I've wanted them to get to this entire time. I guarantee I don't th- that. I don't think it's as likely in 24 as I do 23. And that's where the window year concept comes into effect. Um, How do you know? But that's the other thing. How do you know that? Maybe Drew Aller sucks this I, year and is I really good that. next year. Maybe Drew Aller like isn't the man odds, for two years, and then Bo Prabula is the guy in twenty twenty five. Like there is just so much I can only we go don't know. I, right, and that's why I can only go off what I know right now. And I know that Penn State gets one seemingly gets one five star quarterback a decade. I know Penn State has not had three first round picks in like twenty five years, and they're projected to have one right now. Like. I know that this defense is loaded with talent. I know Abdul Carter is a top two linebacker in the country. Like just going off of things I know, and I can say with confidence right now, that's why I think this window has to be now. Like and, just going, going off of what I have going on, you know, in my brain and what I understand about Penn state football in 2023, this is the best shot. This is, this is the window. This and is the shot. That's where I get to believing in their process and believing that they are doing things and building the right way right that's where i get to that situation because if penn state is able to put itself in a situation where we are having this conversation year after year after year after year after year the likelihood is they are going to break through if we get to 2025 and this team is just completely barren something else has gone wrong beyond the fact that they just don't have a five-star quarterback anymore or beyond the fact that they just don't have a guy or two who are put high up in mock drafts. That is kind of my entire point. I believe in the process that James Franklin is putting together. I believe in the building that James Franklin is attempting to do right now. And that's why I'm not as hung up on, they have to make it this year. They have to make it next year because they have one specific guy that they just haven't had in the past. I guess I just can't fathom the peak not being now. Like the five star again, first five star. Would you have said here? Let me let me ask you this: Would you have said yeah. the exact same thing in 2017, in 2018, in 2019, in 2020, when Penn State was consistently going into the season as a team that was put right around the top ten, top fifteen, whatever? It's not top ten for me anymore. It's top four. Seventeen okay. again. I said seventeen was a nightmare. Seventeen was 
We talked about, I went to do a podcast for a long time on the best James Franklin 10 win season because 2017 to me is the worst James Franklin 10 win season. That team had such high expectations and they fell on their face. That was a ba- great team. I want to make sure I get that clarified. Awesome team, horrible season. But I'm a 10 and two again this year. That's what it is for me again. But at the same, but that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you okay. going into that season because that is the point we're in right now. Going into I, that I did not, season, I did not think Penn State could run the table. Going back to eighteen, I did not think Penn, yeah, Penn State was an eleven and one caliber team in eighteen nineteen. I think I may have been twenty, but COVID, so who knows? Twenty one nor twenty two. Like I, I had them at. If you go back to our website, is nuked now. But um, if you go back to those, even last year, I said them at like nine and three. I did not think an 11 and one season was realistic for the pat for those set seasons. I think it, you know, as the season went on, my expectations were raised a little bit last year. And again, I think if, if the quarterback doesn't throw four or have four turnovers, I think they win that game. It just comes back to you that for me, I'm sorry. Um, they could have done it. And, and that's why I think that they can do it this year. And this is the best shot just what, with what I know right now. So you're not saying that in 2017 you were going into that season with optimism, with faith, with whatever, thinking this is a team that could potentially compete for a national championship. And you weren't yes, doing Yes, I was same. thinking that. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say. You say I can't fathom that this is the peak. You fathom it's the peak in the past. But that was six years ago. That's a lifetime ago in college football. Who knows what this sport's going to look like in six more years? Like, I just – I the, with the windows – for, for Penn State spends like a tier two team. Those are window programs. They come around once every five, six years. Like I cannot, I, that's, I guess you kind of good, good way to call me on that. Cause that's, a, I don't think I explained that well then. I guess it's just that they missed their shot six years ago. I don't want to wait another six years before I feel confident they have that shot sure. again. And I think the shot this year is better than the one they had back in 2017. Sure. Honestly, God, I do. Reasonable. Yeah. Bill, good talk. I'm glad we hashed that out. I'm glad that we got that all out there. Uh, Again, let us know your thoughts. And Bill, let's move on to talking about something I know we're both going to enjoy. Yeah. And that's our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Bill, what do you know about our friends at Homefield Apparel? They give us money. They do give us money. (laughs) And they also create phenomenal... God, this is amazing. And they also create phenomenal clothing out there in the marketplace. They make t-shirts. They make sweatshirts. They make crewnecks. They make hats. And they have a 15-piece Penn State collection that our readers can go out there and they can find for themselves at homefieldapparel.com. You get 15% off your first order with promo code ROARLIONSROAR at checkout. I have a ton of their stuff. I'm still debating if I want to get the hat. Again, hats are really hard for me, but it's a really sweet hat. Any school you can pretty much imagine at this point. If you're a Penn State fan, but you grew up near Slippery Rock, they have Slippery Rock, they have Temple, they they have all those schools around the the area that you may have a loved one in your life who attended or is a fan of. Uh, but if you're friends with a Temple fan, you're not a real friend. So again, <laughs> our listeners can get 15% off their order with promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all caps, all one word at checkout. Thank you as always to Homefield uh, for sponsoring us. And Bill, let's shift gears in the most cursed direction imaginable. And let's talk Penn State basketball. Oh, it ain't cursed. This ain't cursed, But in baby. a good way, but in a good way, NBA draft is tonight, Thursday, June 22nd. Penn State has two projected picks in the draft. Micah Shrewsbury has tweeted out some nice things about it. does not yeah. make me like him anymore. Uh, but Seth Lundy, Jalen Pickett, I think are going to hear their names called tonight. What do you think? Uh, I I think they will. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident both of them will. Um, and you look at the reasons why. Seth right now is the exact kind of guy, play style, whatever, that every NBA team wants. He's a guy, I think he measured about six, four and a half. So a little bit smaller uh, than people expected. Long arms, big, strong, physical, a guy who can man you up on defense and a really good shooter. Right now, there is no thing in the NBA more valuable, you know, for a rotation player, role player than a wing who can play, be a three and D guy. Seth projects to be the kind of guy who can do that. Uh, I have a pair of mock drafts pulled up in front of me. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni and Jeremy Wu, uh, the two great NBA draft insiders over at ESPN, have Seth going number 43 overall to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, My pal Sam Bassini over at The Athletic has Seth going number 44 overall to the San Antonio Spurs. Jalen Pickett, very unique player, uh, kind of heady, smart, 
uh, tricky guard who is able to, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if Pick is going to be a guy who sticks around forever. I think he was going to be a good backup guard for a long time. Hopefully a guy who could be a spot starter, his shooting is going to be an important thing. Sam has him going to the Denver Nuggets at 40 overall, the defending champion awesome. Denver Nuggets, awesome. uh, who are uh, ran by Calvin Booth of Penn State alum as their general manager, uh, pick going to the Washington Wizards according to ESPN. So really exciting time. Penn State. He'd be their, be- he'd be their best player. He'd, he'd, he'd be a very, he'd be their most decorated player. Oh no, Corey Kispert had a very good college career. Uh, but yeah, you look at uh, what's the next, you know, if you're listening to this on uh, Thursday, we're going to be tweeting from the blog account because it seems like at least one of these guys is going to be in the NBA. And, you know, we're going to be talking about this 2022, 23 Penn state basketball team for a long time. And a big reason why are these two guys, Jalen Pickett and Seth Lundy? Yeah, uh, no matter where they go, I think they're going to have longevity in their careers. Um, I think Lamar going undrafted maybe turns some folks on to uh, what Penn State can produce. Lamar is going to have a pretty good and I, I think a fairly long Penn, uh, NBA career. Um, and I think Lundy and Pickett both have that kind of longevity. Yeah. I think Lundy maybe a little bit more than Pickett just because I think uh, Pickett's a little bit. I think the, the term I've heard is advanced age. Uh, he's like 23. So I, I get that's old in basketball terms. But uh, I think both these guys are going to play a good amount of time. And, and I'm really excited to see where their career takes them. Yeah. Uh, and Bill, that, that, that recruit that we mentioned earlier, it's now official. It's Tysier Denmark. Let's go. Uh, so the, uh, the Philadelphia receiver is now in the 2024 Penn state recruiting class, uh, which yeah. I still do not think will make top five just because it's lacking five stars. Um, but they're going to go out there and they're going to, they're going to pack this thing up pretty good as we close out June here. Yeah. And Denmark is a guy that Penn state was on for, uh, a long time, eventually committed to Oregon, uh, but has since uh, come back to Penn State. He's uh, out of Philadelphia at a Roman Catholic high school, the same uh, high school that produced uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Will Fuller. Uh, talented kid, a guy Tony who... Tony Carr. Tony Carr, Omar Stevens, yes. A uh, guy who seemed... Certain, Penn State's wide receiver recruiting was probably... That and defensive tackle were the two positions in their 2024 class that were really lagging behind compared to everything else. We'll see what they mm-hmm. end up doing uh, long-term at defensive tackle. You know, a long way to go before uh, signing day, but Denmark is a huge get for them. They, It's been a, pr- a bit of a problem position for Penn State over the years. So being able to get a blue chip guy in like him, uh, even if it, you know, 5'10", probably not the kind of big overpowering receiver that, uh, you know, maybe a guy like a Marvin Harrison might be. Uh, something that Penn state wanted something Penn state needed and hopefully something Penn state can continue to build on. Yeah. We'd love to see it. Build the roster, build it up. Let's find more windows. Sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's be a good football team. Bill, anything else as we send our folks off into, into the rest of their week and into their weekend as we, as we close out the month of June here. Um, no, nothing, nothing really just, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on football, but I, I think it's going to be really cool to be able to celebrate a couple of Penn State basketball players in here in the next uh, 30 hours or so. Yeah, I'm excited for both these guys. Again, I just think both are, are just phenomenal athletes, phenomenal basketball players, uh, and, and I think are going to go on. And I think they'll play, they'll play five years in the NBA. Agreed. Uh, and if you and your friends do a 2K association uh, like me and my friends did for a long time, uh, take Seth Lundy or Jalen Pickett and you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, Bill, I'm going to get lunch. With uh, with Evil Matt this Sunday, he's in town. I haven't I haven't seen Evil Matt in quite a long time, so I'm excited that uh, that members of the pod are getting together. Hopefully, I get to see you uh, relatively soon. Are you Are you going to any game? We've talked about this earlier. Are you going to come out for the Northwestern game this? Oh, week? absolutely not. I I've I've oh I've explained it a great many times that I've been to two Penn State road games in my life. One was the game against Indiana uh, in 2013, where Indiana beat them. I think for the first time ever. And then yep. one was 2015 where they lost to Temple. So I just do everything I can to avoid going to road games. Having said that, there's a chance to go to the Maryland game, but uh, whatever. Whatever. Also, Bill, those were not window years. Uh, and I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> I'm going to do. I'm going to do the outro. Uh, thank you so much, as always, to listening. Uh, we're ramping up here now as we get turn the corner into the, uh, I guess, the heat of summer. Here, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. July might be a little bit dead, but as we get closer to the season, we're going to have, you know, more people getting their takes out there, more stuff for us to react to. The roster still has to evolve a little bit. They're over the scholarship limit right now. Some things still have to change, but we're excited to be here all summer to give you some uh, 
hopefully entertaining podcast. And thank you for listening. And if you can, be sure to leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice, whether that be uh, Apple Podcasts, if you want to go in there and leave a comment in there. We love to see those. To our YouTube viewers, uh, let us know what your thoughts are in the comments below. We love hearing from you guys. And be sure to follow us out there on Twitter over at RLR blog. I've been tweeting out some plays uh, for that coincide with the uh, with the days to go for the season. I got to post uh, the Austin Johnson uh, fumble recovery touchdown against San Diego State. And then I saw it on the No Context Penn State Football uh, TikTok account. Uh, so if you run that account and you follow the blog, uh, shoot me a DM because I, I that was that was pretty funny. I, I hope that was a coincidence because um, it made me laugh that I saw that video posted twice in the same day. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, I have nailed this outro. I'm Matt Flipovitz. Take care, everyone, and go State.